It's time to raise your voice. It's time to be heard. Because everything counts. Everything matters. Good news. Christian values. Alabama's Christian Talk Radio. With Greg Davis. Priority Talk. And here we are at Priority Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nate Williams. Y'all make sure to call in at 205-941-1011. Greg Davis is out traveling today, so he will be back real soon. I have Stuart in the studio. Always enjoy talking with him. Stuart, how are you doing? Doing good. Or as as good as I could be doing, given the circumstances. Yeah, I know. It was a... It was a tough weekend, you know, it was a tough weekend, not going to lie. So, uh, again, I always say this, we're not a sports talk show, but we talk about life. And here in the South, you know, college football is a major part of our lives. And it's through, you know, football that we show some of our values. So we, we will talk about it briefly, just a little bit. And so, Stuart, I guess watching that Alabama game. Uh, of side note, I did terrible with our picks this weekend. I, well, we both we both made this exact same picks. So yeah, that was that was tough. Um, Auburn showed some fight, but but anyways, let's talk about the Alabama game real quick. What are some of your thoughts? I mean, we're just our offense is just not as good as it's supposed to be. You know, I mean, I feel like I I think Bryce Young's the best quarterback Bama's ever had, but he's definitely like top three. But yet, it looks like our offense is just so inconsistent. You'd think with a player like him, they'd be better than they are, but it's just, it seems like we're just wasting Bryce Young's ability, you know? I think, I think you're right. He, he can produce when he has to. So for instance, it's incredible his ability to just produce under pressure, how calm he is. He's smiling. Uh, If you look at his drives, like it's all going to be okay. And I can only imagine, you know, uh, just, uh, just the pressure that he faces and how well he handles it. But yeah, sometimes the offense seems a little rough. And then um, I don't know why Alabama went for it. I guess the second time for two. I don't understand it. I was trying to work out the math. I was trying to make it work. I was trying to make sense of it. But the second time they went for two, I didn't understand it because had they just kicked an extra point? Well, then on the final drive, they could have that that field goal that tied it where they then went into overtime, that field goal, instead of tying it, would have would have been for the win. And so I just don't understand some of the choices there. But, yeah, you know, I I guess because Alabama's the standard, whenever you get into like the first or second loss of the season in the SEC, losing one game is not like the the worst thing in the world you can still make it but about the time that alabama loses twice in a season you start to get the articles and the naysayers and the doomsday preppers saying that alabama's title windows closed and all that stuff and i just 
I just roll my eyes personally. Um, whenever it's still the standard, whenever people storm the field, no matter what they're ranked against Alabama, you know that they're still the standard. And so, uh, yeah, LSU uh, played a played a great game. And uh, yeah, those are some of my thoughts. What were we talking about? Sorry, I had to take a call. Yeah, you are okay. Just uh, you, uh, what I'm what I'm talking about is just whenever you get to a second loss in the season for Alabama, that's when those people come uh, come out of the woodwork that oh, say, "Oh, yeah. Alabama's title window's oh, closing." Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah, I'm just used to it. I remember in 2015 when we lost to Ole Miss, everyone was saying Saban's going to retire, the dynasty's over, and then here we are again. They, they I don't know. We, Back-to-back national title appearances, back-to-back Heisman winners that were two different people, two different positions, back-to-back SEC championships, but we lose two games in the same season, regular season, and now all of a sudden the sky's falling. Now, I don't, I don't get it, but, I mean, it's, everybody wants to be that first person to say the dynasty's over. That's just how it goes. Yeah. Um, uh, who was it? Mark Twain maybe that said, uh, you know, my death has been greatly exaggerated. That's how it is with Alabama, you know. But that's how you know you set the standard. When you lose two times in a season and uh, then everyone's saying it's the end of the world, you know you've set the bar quite high. But anyways, those are some thoughts, uh, I guess. Did you Were you able to catch some of the Auburn game? Uh, I watched the beginning. It was kind of a blowout, and then I watched near the end when it got close again. I saw the uh, – I don't think it was on purpose, but that kind of onside kick at the end. The yeah. Guy, it hit the guy right in the chest, and then they missed the field goal and went to overtime. So, yeah, I saw the last – couple of minutes of that one auburn played with some heart and uh, i like cadillac personally oh yeah he was fired up i saw that he oh, looks fit for it oh yeah and so uh, i like cadillac and his post game some of the, his comments about uh, his players i think some of them did he say some of them gave their life to christ or m- maybe i misheard that but anyways w- but just like the energy that he brought and uh, they they played real tough and so that was that was good to see and then uh i guess all in all uh, georgia smoked tennessee uh, did you watch any of that game Yep, I did. I mean, Tennessee. Tennessee's offense to me looks it looks simple, but so far has been very effective. But it seems like when you get when you know how to stop it, they don't have any backup plan. Their whole offense is like they got like four routes or something, and if none of them work, they're kind of screwed. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right about that. And you know, maybe they just haven't spent a lot of time adjusting their offense because they haven't had to. When you average 50 points a game and no one seems to be able to stop you, then maybe you don't practice as much your backup plans and, you know, adjusting your ability to to move the ball. And so yeah, Tennessee got uh, shellacked there and so now Georgia's I believe number one in the nation well anyways friends that's enough of sports for uh, tonight what is tonight tonight is Monday here in November y'all remember it's going to get cold real soon I think it's 70s throughout the rest of the week maybe 80s tomorrow 70s through the rest of the week and then it gets cold I think it gets to the 50s I believe and then maybe 30s at night so y'all make sure to stay warm and so now we'll move on to some of the current news, some of the articles out there, and we will talk about uh, 1819 has some concerning news before I get to it, because we have to go to break, but just remember that I shouldn't have to say this, but this is going to prep us for the next section after the break. Racism is wrong no matter the race. 
Some people think that, you know, racism against black people is wrong, and that's totally true. Do not be racist towards anyone. Do not be racist towards black people. However, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but it is 2022 where you have to say that men are men and women are women. So in this day and age, you also have to say that racism against Asians is wrong. Jews is wrong. Racism against white people is wrong. And so that's just kind of concerning how we have to say these things. But yeah, I have a couple of news articles I'm going to read, uh, you know, some about Alabama. We'll bring some stories in nationally about this. But yes, hey, friends, newsflash, all racism against all people. It's wrong in case you didn't know. Well, friends, do not go anywhere. We have some good story. Well, some good content after the break. It's not good news, unfortunately, but it's stuff that you need to know about on the other side. This is Priority Talk Radio, WXJC. I'm your host, Nate Williams. We will be right back. Priority Talk. One Point USA is a security company serving churches and businesses in the state of Alabama. Don't wait until something happens to protect your employees and your valuable property. One Point USA's experienced staff understands your security needs and wants to help you before a problem arises. From video surveillance to card access control and commercial security systems, One Point USA has got you covered. Call One Point USA today at 205-701-0191. That's 205-701-0191 or visit onepointusa.com. That's the number one pointusa.com. One Point USA. Be secure. Greg Davis here, and I want to remind you of Priority Talk's longest-running advertiser, and that's Today's Family Dentistry, your friendly dental practice conveniently located in downtown Coleman. Make your appointment to see Dr. David Kim, Dr. Key Tan, or Dr. Stephanie Young, along with an experienced and certified team of dental technicians, along with a friendly staff, I might add, who serve both children and adults with a wide range of dental services. That includes general and restorative care, along with the cosmetic enhancements to meet all of your family's dental needs. Today's Family Dentistry accepts Medicaid for children under 21, Blue Cross Blue Shield All Kids, and most commercial insurances. Give them a call today and make your appointment. 256-739-3337. That's Today's Family Dentistry located in downtown Coleman. Call today and make your appointment. 256-739-3337. Today's Family Dentistry in downtown Coleman. Hi, this is Brooks Gibbs, author and speaker, and you're listening to Greg Davis on Priority Talk. <laughs> Well, hey, friends, we are back live at Priority Talk Radio, WXJC. I'm your host, Nate Williams, with Stuart in the studio. Stuart always does a great job. Greg Davis is out traveling, and so it is us tonight. And we have a lot to talk about. I I love that song that was playing um, leading after the break, and so I just, I like letting that play out a little bit. And so we have some news stories for you. 1819 News. This is Erica Thomas uh, earlier today. And uh, yeah, here is the title of the article. If you have white skin, 
you may have a really big problem. Veteran detective claims racism, corruption at Jefferson County Sheriff's Office. I'll read the story, and it goes like this. A veteran detective is speaking out about staffing shortages and corrupt leadership at the Jefferson County Sheriff's Office. Deputy Cody Christensen came forward after reading an 1819 news article in which two other deputies complained about staff and morale issues. Christensen said he agreed with those deputies and believed many of the problems with the sheriff's office are rooted in racial tension. It's hard to do a job wherein you're risking your life with the belief that, with the belief that, and there are incidences that kind of demonstrated that, if you have white skin, you may have a really big problem, Christensen said. Uh, he also ha- he's been employed with the sheriff's office since 2012. In his 10 years, he said he had seen a lot of changes he believes have negatively impacted the department. Christensen said he believes punishments are not distributed uh, distributed fairly by internal affairs. He also said the overall overall morale and relationships between deputies had been impacted by the actions of those in charge of advancements and what he thinks are unfair promotions based on race and not experience. He gave specific examples, but the sheriff's office has not responded to media requests to confirm the information. There are lots of whistleblowers out there trying to get the word out about what's going on in our department, Christensen added. They have sent things out to the district attorney's office, the state's attorney, and also media outlets. And they were all advised that their bosses didn't want to run the story. Nobody wanted to do anything about it due to, I guess, fear of political backlash. And so, anyways, this story basically talks about how there might be some corruption in uh, police departments. And we're not surprised about that, right? As long as humans are running the show here on Earth, well, there will be corruption uh, wherever you go. And then when it comes to being short-staffed, Christensen said he feels the shortages are extreme and dangerous. We don't have the backup and the support of our peers that we used to have, which creates a dangerous situation for us, he said. Then when you add in the element of punitive measures that are being distributed differently based on the color of your skin, I feel that there are a lot of white officers in the department who, while being understaffed and expected to do the jobs of multiple people, are also afraid of unfair ramifications. As a property crimes detective in Center Point, Christensen said his job is a lot more challenging than it used to be because so many people have left the department. He said there used to be a financial crimes division, but now he is forced to investigate white-collar crimes as well. It's a different beast, he explained. A shift that used to have nine people now has three or four, and it won't be uncommon for most of those to be pulled for specific details. It doesn't really matter how short the shift is. When the sheriff wants deputies there for an event, they could get him some political points. That's where the troops are going. But he vows to stick it out for the people of Jefferson County. I've been hanging in there because of experiences leaving the department, said Christensen. We're getting a whole new group of young people who don't have experience in the field. Somebody has to impart that knowledge. The Jefferson County Sheriff's Office has not responded to several media inquiries regarding claims about leadership practices and the department's internal affairs division. The sheriff's office also did not respond to a request to interview Petway. And so I include some of those things about not responding because there are always two sides to the story, right? We want to be fair. 
We want to listen well. We don't want to be reactionary Christians, and I'm so guilty of this. So uh, this uh, this is what I say when I preach at churches. Before I can point the finger at anyone else, I need to look in the mirror and realize that I will jump to conclusions. So maybe there's another point of view. That's why you want to give people a chance to respond. You want to give a chance to hear multiple sides because you don't want to just react for the sake of reacting because social media is so good at that, getting us to just react without having all the facts. But if this is true, this is concerning, friends. We need healthy police departments that are well-staffed and well-funded because you want your cities, your neighborhoods to be safe. You want your schools to be safe. And if you don't have enough people to cover wide swaths of area, what happens is crime grows. It flourishes. Criminals get emboldened to go commit crime. And so we always go back to, for me, you go back to Romans 13. One of the focuses of government is to reward good and punish evil. And that's where the police force comes in, where you want a healthy whole police department that can function well, function appropriately, right? We want checks and balances. So police always need accountability because sometimes officers don't do what they should. They don't function the way that they should. And then so there should be punishments and accountability on that end as well. But all in all, police departments exist because humans are not angels. And, uh, the founding fathers talked about that, how that makes government necessary. And so these stories are concerning. And when you had in 2020 the riots that rocked this nation, you had cities on fire, you had all these just this uptick in crime. What happens is police departments were, were demonized. Police officers were told that they were racist, that uh, you can't, you know, the, the crime rates among certain popu- segments of the population were high because police uh, officers discriminated. They just did terrible things. And you had some famous celebrities and athletes that told the lie that police officers hunted down certain races to punish them. And what happened is well, if I was a police officer and I was being told I was racist, that I was the problem, I was the issue, guess what I'm not going to do? I, I, I'm not going to do my job because I will be told that I'm, I'm racist. If I, I get a call to arrive on the scene and I know there are certain races involved and uh, let's just say I might be very apprehensive to do my job because if there's even body cam footage, can uh, people will outright lie about body cam footage. People will lie on social media. They'll take snippets of audio or video and twist it. The the media can be so good at that. And if I know it's more trouble than potentially, you know, it whatever it's worth, I might be tempted as a police officer to either quit or not do my job. Well, guess what? If I don't do my job, crime flourishes. If I quit and I leave, that leaves police departments understaffed. And it's understandable why police officers are quitting all across the nation. 2020 was awful. 
it was so bad. Yeah, you know, funding is being cut. And so if what Deputy Cody Christensen is saying is true, that's very concerning because as Christians, we care about justice. We care about re- rehabilitation. We want those things to be in place. We want criminals to be held to justice, but we also want criminals to be rehabilitated. We want them, if, if possible, to be able to rejoin society if it's safe to do so. And so that's the story we're going to talk about next on the other side of the break. The rehabilitation, the prison systems in Alabama potentially aren't what they should be. So there's a story on that. But I'll finish out uh, this half hour by simply saying that racism is wrong, even if it's against white people. If you're a part of the woke ideology on the left, you hold that, well, discrimination or racism against white people, that's not actual racism. You can only be racist against minorities. And so because the white people have been in power for so long, you go back to Europeans and uh, you go back to colonialism, imperialism, because white people, according to this way of thinking, have created the world to benefit them. Well, the only way to be racist is if you have positions of power. If you are part of the demographic that helped to create the rules and the systems in society, you are the only ones who can be racist. And so I don't accept that modern, woke, doctored definition of racism. I go back to the classical definition that if you discriminate, this is it. It's real simple. If you discriminate on the basis of race, you know, skin color, ethnicity, culture, that's racism. So you can be racist against black people, and that's awful. Don't do that. You can be racist against Asians and Jews, like I said before. You can be racist against white people as well. Any sort of discrimination is bad. And so if this is true, that there is discrimination against white people, well, that is racist and that should be stopped. We don't want that. And so that is something that as Christians, we care about racism in any form or fashion. We care about uh, racist institutions, systems and structures structures if and where they exist, but we also care about uh, racism against individuals or perpetrated by individuals. We care about racism done against any segment of the population, uh, young, old, skin color, whatever it is. We have, uh, we, we as Christians, we strongly stand against it. So we're going to talk about some more concerning news here in Alabama. We'll bring in some national stories as well as a part of this topic. Y'all tell me what you think. Uh, Y'all talk to me. Have you seen it? Have you experienced it? 205-941-1011. Y'all call into the show. Tell me your thoughts. We have a lot more going on on the other side of the break. This is uh, Nate Williams, uh, Priority Talk Radio. Y'all make sure to check out the podcast as well. We have a podcast, Priority Talk. It's on Apple, Spotify, elsewhere, so you don't have to miss a single thing. Well, friends, we have more on the other side of the break. Do not go anywhere. Don't touch the dial. The UAB football season is in full swing and tickets are on sale now to see your Blazers in action at Protective Stadium. 
Visit UABSports.com to grab your tickets and stay updated on all of the latest information about upcoming games, great promotions, and deals for the whole family. Single game tickets start at just $20. Grab your seats today at UABSports.com. Don't miss a minute of the action. UAB Blazer football tickets on sale now at UABSports.com. UAB football, win is one. Are you listening or just joined us? Guess what? It's time to call Greg at 205-941-1011. And now, back to Priority Talk with Greg Davis. My life be like... Hey, hey, and welcome to Priority Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nate Williams. Greg Davis is out traveling. I have Stuart in the studio, and so we will welcome in a caller, Menzor. Uh, why don't you tell us what you have to say? Welcome to the show. Hey, Nate. Yes, sir. Appreciate y'all. I'm a friend of Greg's. Uh, awesome. For people who wondered about who to vote for tomorrow, the incumbents and those who have had office before, uh, this is a good thing to do, I would say. Uh, wall builders, David Barton, has a website that they can check out how people have voted in the past. And since they don't go by what they're saying, go by what they have said. Like there's a saying, your action speaks a lot, can you hear what you're saying? <laughs> but, Absolutely. Uh, it's called uh, truthandliberty.net. Truth and Liberty. Dot net. So anyway, I just thought that was about the best website I know of. That's awesome. Thank you for the call. Glad to have you on. And uh, shout out to Greg there. And so Wall Builders is phenomenal. So that's wonderful. If y'all are interested, y'all check that out. And that's a good point. Uh, well, one, let's talk about voting tomorrow. I hope y'all make sure to you know be able to vote. Go let your voice be heard. I'm all about voting. I think it's awesome. But also, what a wonderful point to make. People will promise anything on the campaign trail. Y'all know this. I know this. People will promise you the world. Man, I can cure cancer, COVID. I can erase the the debt, uh, whatever it might be. Um, whatever it might be. I think, uh, but, but just look at their voting patterns in the past. Look at what they've said in the past when they're off the campaign trail when they're off the campaign trail or you know if they've had to vote on a bill or whatever it is look beyond what they say and what they promise that is a great piece of advice thank you for that call that was wonderful so yeah y'all call in 205-941-1011 voting is tomorrow i hope uh, we're all able to go out and vote and uh, get educated and informed on the issues and i think that's a beautiful part of democracy we're technically not a democracy as i like to say we are a democratic republic but the part of democracy that we can take part of naturally obviously is the voting and we want to, uh, to to take full advantage of that blessing that God has given us because there are some people around the world some believers around the world that don't have that blessing and so those are my thoughts continuing on with our theme from uh, I guess the first part of the hour again this show Priority Talk runs Monday through Friday 
5 p.m. to 7 p.m. So here we are in the first hour. Uh, we're going to continue with uh, what we've been talking about. In Minnesota, there was in, the, in a Minnesota teacher's contract, this is the New York Post, Jesse O'Neill in August of 2022 has an article titled, White Teachers Would Be Laid Off First Under Minnesota Teacher's Contract. And this is an example of CRT and equity and the kind of the thought process behind that to where if anyone needs to get fired according to this teacher's contract it would be white people first to make up for past injustices and so under CRT critical race theory under the equity type mindset where uh, we're all about results and consequences and if statistics favor white people in any way shape or form that's because of racism and so we want to seek to balance the scales and discrimination against white people is acceptable if it helps to achieve those results and so if you have uh, let's say certain minorities committing crimes and the solution is to make the uh, crime statistics look more favorable to all all the races and the solution is to be soft on crime and not arrest certain people well then people who believe in crt critical race theory and equity they will be soft on crime towards certain segments of the population so that the statistics of the incarceration rates will start to look more even and to achieve an equitable society even if as we're seeing in certain california cities certain more blue cities crime is rampant well guess what if you close your eyes, if you don't arrest anyone for any crimes, well, then the numbers look wonderful. You look so equitable as your city burns and as shops are looted. And again, CRT equity, it sounds just the, the it sounds so good on the surface about, you know, equity. We want equal results for all segments of the population, all demographics. But it leads to outright racism towards white people. It leads to a lot of destruction. So we want to, while we can potentially learn from all sides of the conversation, certain things like CRT and equity, when they're implemented, they're outright racist, number one. Number two, it leads to chaos. And we see that with crime. And that leads us to our next story, 1819 News. This is Craig Monger. Ivy confident DOJ will be patient while state undergoes four-year prison construction. And in this story, it basically talks about how the prison system here in Alabama, it's not great, folks. If I'm gonna if I'm not gonna lie, if I'm gonna tell the truth, it's not great. The the conditions, the stories of corruption, uh, the way this article puts it, corruption within the prison staff. Violence, murder, sexual assault, drugs, poor living conditions, dilapidated facilities, and overcrowding are just a few of the issues plaguing the state's prisons. And so to correct these issues, the Alabama legislature voted in 2022 to use federal COVID-19 relief funds from the American Rescue Plan Act to construct several new prison facilities to address the concerns of the DOJ. According to Ivy, skipping down the article a little bit, according to Ivy, the prisons will not be up and running by 2026, which raises concerns that the DOJ will intervene before the proposed prisons become operational. This is Ivy, a quote from Ivy. We try to keep the federal courts apprised of what we are doing, and we are proud to work with them, Ivy said. We recognize the problems, and we are working hard to solve them, so I think they'll be patient. Friends, 
this is disheartening. Not that the, the prison system's getting new facilities. That's good. But this is Christians. We should be deeply concerned when prison inmates are being mistreated. There can unfortunately... Unfortunately, be this strain of thought, this way of thinking among conservatives that kind of shrugs at these things. Well, if they didn't want to get mistreated, they shouldn't commit crimes. And this can be kind of cold and calloused. And that's not loving. That's not loving at all. So we want to rebuke that way of thinking where, sure, I'm not saying prison systems and jails need to be five-star hotels. I'm not saying, because sometimes you can go too far in the other direction where you want everything to be lavish and incredible and a lot of too much money spent in some cases. I'm not saying go in that direction. But friends, you can have a clean prison system. You can have good facilities where needs are met. You can treat humans like they're humans. And so we really care about that. We are against all forms of mistreatment. We stand for life in the womb. We stand for the elderly in nursing homes who are forgotten. We stand for minorities that are mistreated. We stand for immigrants who are mistreated. We stand for prison inmates, those who are in prison. Sure, maybe they did something wrong and we want justice to be served. But while they are in the prison system, they are to be treated well with dignity. Why? They are made in the image of God. God loves every prisoner every bit as much as he loves you and me. And so we want Alabama prisons to be well-funded. We want the facilities to be good facilities. We want inmates to be treated with dignity. And it's something that we should care about. So I think churches should get involved. Obviously, you you can hold Bible studies. There's prison chaplaincy, all of those things, yes. But also, uh, living conditions should be good. Maybe not lavish and extraordinary, but we need to treat all people with dignity. And so, friends, let's care about this issue. Let's let people know. And let's say our prison systems get better here in Alabama. Let's not let it happen again. We want uh, these places to be well-funded and we want people to be taken care of because this glorifies God. We want, uh, this is what I say, as Christians, you always want to serve and be and have a presence in the areas that other people might not want to go. Christians should flood prison systems, nursing homes, hospitals, soup kitchens. Sometimes we only want to cater to the rich and the famous, the the celebrity, those, the politician, those who can do something for us. Well, how do we love? A measure of who we are as Christians is how do we love those who can't do anything for us? 
How do we love those who are the uh, the outcast, the rejected? And so I think we really should deeply care about this issue. Well, friends, we have to go to break. But as we close out this hour, we are, we are going to turn our conversation to a little bit of technology. Church in the metaverse. What do we do as the church of God, as the body of Christ when it comes to technology? What's our relationship? Uh, sh- how should it be in those areas? It's a very interesting conversation. Y'all don't go anywhere. We will be right back. This is Priority Talk Radio, W. UXJC, I'm your host, Nate Williams. Do not go anywhere. Priority Talk. Marketing can be overwhelming. The marketing landscape is full of holes to lose your money. Stop trying to piece your marketing together. Start marketing with a purpose. Dot Edison Marketing is your full-service marketing partner. They are your business's outsourced marketing team. Call them at 205-332-3728 or go to their website at .edison.com. This is Greg, and I want you to know about my friend Jeff Harding and Alabama Reliable Roofing. Your local roofing expert since 1998, Alabama Reliable Roofing provides residential and commercial clients with exceptional roofing services. Jeff and his experienced team are well-equipped to provide repairs and installations of shingle and metal roofs. Look, I know the importance of a roof and that it's one of the biggest investments you make in your home, place of business, or church facilities. Alabama Reliable Roofing understands this as well and has the experience to work with your insurance company in case of storm damage. So whether your roof has suffered from storm damage and needs repairs, or it just may be time for a new roof, you need an inspection to determine the next steps. Company owner Jeff Harding is waiting on your phone call and will be personally involved with every job. Call him at 205-369-9630 for a no-obligation conversation and a free estimate. Look at their work on the Alabama Reliable Roofing Facebook page and then call Jeff at 205-369-9630. Alabama Reliable Roofing, 205-369-9630. Hey everybody, this is Victoria Jackson and you're listening to Priority Talk with Greg Davis. Welcome to Priority Talk Radio live on this Monday night. I'm your host, Nate Williams. I have Stuart in the studio holding things down. Greg Davis is out traveling, and we have a lot of good stuff to talk about. Now, here we are, friends. We're heading towards the end of the first hour, and some of you might be super sad and despondent, like, oh no, the first hour's almost over. Well, do not worry. We have a second hour from 6 to 7. Y'all stay tuned in. Got a lot of good stuff to talk about. And so that's how we are here at Priority Talk Radio, Monday through Friday. 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. That is two hours. If you miss anything, we have the Priority Talk uh, podcast. I forgot the word for a moment. You know, that's very not good. That's very scary as a radio host when you forget the word because your job is literally words. And so we have the Priority Talk podcast. Y'all can check out. Make sure to follow us on social media at Priority Talk. We have a website, www.priorititalkradio.com. You can check out 
all these different ways to stay tuned in. And so y'all make sure to do that. And so we're going to close out this first hour with an interesting story I saw on the Christian Post. This is Leonardo Blair. And it goes, let's see, what is the title? A small town pastor's push to bring people back to church through the metaverse. Now, it was a longer article, so I'm not going to read much of it. But basically, there is a, a small town pastor is trying to bring people back to the church through virtual reality. Maybe you've heard of Facebook's uh, metaverse and some of the things that are going on there. So, Stuart, I have a question for you. If someone invited you to their virtual reality church, I, I guess it would be through some sort of fancy high tech headset, yeah, uh, goggle thingies, whatever, would you go? Go? Would that interest you to, to attend church or a Bible study through that medium? Mm. What First of all, would I have to buy the equipment myself? That's true. There is an entry fee. Yeah, I don't know. Let's let's just say for the sake of this argument that it's free, or let, let's say I'm going to like a friend's house and I'm gonna. I would I'd be interested to try it out and see what it's like. But that would more so be for the technology itself. I'm not necessarily interested in that replacing going to church itself. Yes, I think that's a great way of putting it, kind of like a supplement. And that's how I'm tempted to view virtual reality church. It's so weird to talk about this, but COVID sped this up. So unless you managed to be on the moon the last few years, you know that we have been going through COVID and it's greatly affected churches. A lot of churches had to up their technology with live streaming and, and all that, uh, social media presence as people uh, either had to or decided to uh, stay away from physically gathering together and all the stuff that went into that. And uh, now you have virtual reality church on the metaverse. And so the article talks about that. And my my thoughts are mixed because part of me is thinking evangelistically. If there are people who, whether through video games, virtual reality, If there are some people, I'm thinking like Ready Player One. Did you ever see that movie? I did not. It was a great description of uh, potentially what could be down the road. It's a little dystopian, and I hope we don't get to that point. But uh, that was a movie that I watched. And uh, just basically everyone's living inside of virtual realities. And so I've been thinking, what do you do when church is there as well? And I think evangelistically, if there ever gets to be a point where there's a segment of the population that can only be reached through social media, video game communities, virtual reality communities, and you can never reach out to them in any sort of physical way. The only way to reach out to them is by joining these kind of universes. From an evangelistic standpoint, I think it's worth it. And not only worth it, I would think if that's the only evangelistic route that we have as Christians to reach this segment of the population, I would almost say it's mandatory if we're going to obey the Great Commission to go into the world and make disciples. Well, if the world is on social media 
or virtual reality and that's where people are and that's the only way to get to them i think to be obedient to christ you have to go in some way shape or form maybe those who are gifted in this area i'm no i know i'm not the most technologically advanced person i'm there's a lot of that conversation that can be had, but I think it's almost, you have to, from a church standpoint, at least have a team that's working on those kind of things. But also, I like the word supplement. And so, Stuart, you talked about that a little bit, trying it out. Maybe in addition to the physical gathering, I don't think virtual reality church uh, has, you know, should replace the physical church ever. But I think supplement, something to do in addition to physical gathering is worth it. Yeah, maybe like a Wednesday night thing or like a Thursday night Bible study kind of thing. Yes, because, yeah, I think that's a great point. Something to supplement, be an addition. Like, what is a supplement? When you take supplements, it never should necessarily replace the meal that you need to eat to stay alive, but it can make you more uh, fuller, healthier, maybe more whole. And so that's the way I tend to view it. And so this this article talks about that and how it's kind of a little bit of a response to uh, COVID-19. And so the quote from this says church of the future is a network and it's going to be digitally based it's not going to be geographically based it's going to be built on relationships and purpose and so maybe y'all you're listening in you have some thoughts on this would you go to a church that's in virtual reality let's say another covid hit god forbid God forbid, I was told it was a pandemic that happens once every 100 years. Let's hope it never happens again. But if it's going to happen, maybe another 100 years. But let's say it happens again and your church decides to go digital. Would you join it? Would it ever replace physically gathering together? And uh, let's see another quote. What digital technology did, especially during Web 2.0, when we created social media platforms, the building blocks of that wasn't the media side. It was actually the connection side. Lunday said, we've completely decentralized relationships. Longtime digital church advocate Jeff Reed, who formed the Digital Church Network, said the rise of digital technologies has helped the church evolve away from a one-size-fits-all expression, and congregations now need to tailor their message to speak to different audiences. While large brick-and-mortar churches would continue to serve their purpose, he contends digital churches are reaching a whole new audience. And I think that's quite interesting where it's not just uh, they would maybe the, the people in this article would maybe phrase it a little more strongly than I said. I said that a virtual church can supplement a physical brick and mortar gathering. They said maybe it's necessary. It's the way of the future. What do y'all think? Uh, the, the listeners out there, again, make sure to call in 205 941 one zero one one. I'm interested to hear your thoughts. My thoughts are all of the above.
If it's another way to love people, a new way, a fresh way, maybe with Gen Z coming out and uh, being a larger segment of the population in terms of control and, and policy decision making and maybe into more positions in culture, they go from being very young to more the center part of culture. Maybe these things, it's not only a supplement, maybe it's necessary. Maybe these are things we have to do. I'd be very interested in your thoughts. Maybe you're a pastor out there. Let's say you're a pastor of a church. What do you think? Do you think this is the wave of the future? I don't know. And so that's what I always say here on the show. I'm here to talk about good news, Christian values. That is priority talk, good news, Christian values. So no matter what the topic is that we're talking about, that's what keeps it centered here. What does the gospel say? And how are Christian values, how can they be implemented, talked about, shared through the various topics that we cover? And so this is, friends, the end of the first hour, but do not worry. We have a whole second hour coming right at you. This is Priority Talk Radio, WXJC, uh, 101.1 FM and AM 850. We have a website, www.priorititalkradio.com. We are on social media at Priority Talk. We have a podcast as well. All these different ways to stay informed, in touch, and up to date. I'm your host, Nate Williams. We will be right back. Hey, this is Greg, and ever since the first time I visited Israel in 1999, I've encouraged others to also experience the land of the Bible for themselves. I'm wondering if you've ever dreamed of visiting the Holy Land and walking where Jesus walked. If so, why don't you pray about touring Israel with me in the summer of 2023? We will experience a 10-day pilgrimage that will include visiting biblical sites around the Sea of Galilee and actually taking an inspirational boat ride on the same waters that Jesus walked upon. We will also visit the holy sites in the city of Jerusalem, including Golgotha and the Garden Tomb. You'll also experience the Dead Sea and many significant Old Testament sites. The Bible will come alive to you like never before. Are you interested at all? Email me. Greg at PriorityTalkRadio.com and I'll share with you much more information about this trip of a lifetime. Email me, Greg at PriorityTalkRadio.com for more information on traveling with me to the Holy Land in summer of 2023. It's time to raise your voice. It's time to be heard. Because everything counts. Everything matters. Good news. Christian values. Alabama's Christian Talk Radio. With Greg Davis. Priority Talk. Welcome back to Priority Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nate Williams. Stewart's in the studio. Greg Davis is out traveling. And here we are in this second hour that'll take us to uh, right up to 7 o'clock. We, uh, in the first hour, we talked about a lot of good stuff. We talked about some of the maybe 
not so great conditions of the Alabama prison system, maybe some potential corruption in the uh, police departments here in Alabama that we want to you know, make sure that we hope is not true, but also that it gets better. We want th- those things to be fixed. And then talked a little bit about technology and the church uh, church in the virtual reality, in the metaverse. So if you missed that, you can make sure to listen to our Priority Talk podcast. It's on Apple, Spotify, so you can stay up to date. And so here we are in the second hour talking a little bit about technology. And I have uh, Jason Thacker's book, Following Jesus in a Digital Age. It's a great little book, not massive. And I'd encourage y'all to read it if you can. So again, Jason Thacker's Following Jesus in a Digital Age. What should the relationship be between Christians, the church, and technology. One thing that I have to talk about is uh, one thing I should say that you need to know as someone who participates in social media is that you are the product that's being sold. Sometimes we like to think that we're the ones in control, that we have our Facebook profiles, we have our Instagram accounts, our TikTok accounts, whatever it might be, Snapchat, all that. Maybe you're on the Twitter, Tweeter whole deal. And we think we're in control because we're like, whoa, look how personalized I can get everything to be. It's all about me. I'm in full control. But one thing you don't realize is that your eyeballs are being sold to advertisers. You are the product that's being sold to businesses. And we don't realize that. We think that we're in control. So you look at these companies, Instagram, Facebook, the rest. They have this algorithm that's addicting. So it's designed to keep you on. But also it keeps track of your your data and it keeps track of what you look at. And, And it creates this portfolio of sorts about you, everything about you that is then sold to advertisers, to data collecting companies, and you are the product being sold. And the goal is to make money. The goal is to control us psychologically and sociologically with our patterns, who we associate with, so that we will spend money, we will buy products, and we don't realize that. So remember, you are the product. You're not in control. And so that should make us pause When we realize, and Jason Thacker talks about this, that technology shapes us. We think of it as a tool, like, oh, I'm in control. And just as a tool, think about it, you have a hammer, right? You're in control of the hammer. The hammer does what you want it to do, unless you're me, and you swing it, you know, inaccurately, and then it hits your thumb. But if you're not me, and you use it correctly, you think that, oh, that hammer is being controlled by me. That's not true. In this analogy, the hammer is actually controlling and shaping you. That's what's happening with social media. You are the one that's the tool that is used by social media to make them money. Either you buying products or you being sold for data, for information. So we want to definitely discuss that, be aware of that. And there's another factor about social media and technology that we might not think about. And I'll read a, a paragraph of this book. The truth is, we often adapt these, uh, adopt these innovations without any real thought to, should we? 
simply because we're more focused on can we. We pursue innovation for innovation's sake rather than examining the ethical challenges it may bring with it. This should we is the question of ethics or morality. It's the point in the process where we slow down and ask, is this even good? What does it do to me? And what are the long-term side effects on both me and my society? uh, Technologist, that's a new word, technologist John Dyer says it this way, when technology has distracted us to the point that we no longer examine it, it gains the greatest opportunity to enslave us. So we need to be aware of that very fraught relationship between us and technology. We think we control technology, but in reality, it controls us by shaping us. Uh, It shapes us in the morning. We reach for it. We got to have it. We get so anxious. I'm guilty of this. Like I said in the first hour, before I point the finger at anyone, I have to look in the mirror. I have to uh, pull a Michael Jackson, look at the man in the mirror and realize that it starts with me. That when my phone is not with me, I get anxious. Well, what if I'm missing texts and messages? What's going on in the world of social media? Who is saying this? Who is saying that? Where are my updates? And I get panicky. I get anxious. And it shouldn't be that way, friends. It's almost like a phone is now another limb. I used to phrase it this way. I used to say it's an extension of who we are. Your social media accounts, your activity is kind of like it's an add-on to who you are. The phone has become so engraved in us, so a part of us, that that phone is now another appendage. You would miss your right arm if you lost it, right? You would miss your leg if it went missing. You'd be like, oh no, how will I function? The phone has become that for us. Even if you lose your car, you might think, well, I can borrow another car. You might think... Well, uh, if something happened to the house and I needed to stay in a hotel room, I could do that. But sometimes we get more panicky when we met, when we can't find our phones and we're wondering, oh my goodness, how can I possibly function without it? The reason why we're that way is because we don't control our phones. The phones are now controlling us. And that should really make us pause. As Christians, we want to think ethically. What is right? What is moral? What glorifies God? And I'm getting to the point where, unfortunately, due to my job and to certain things where I I can't do this. But there's a part of me that that misses the days of the flip phone. And I almost want to go back. Uh, Stuart, I I have a question for you. Like, did did you ever have a flip phone, a little with a physical keyboard, maybe? Yeah, for a little bit. For a little bit. And those were honestly simpler times. I remember when I first had my phone, I'd misplace it for half a day. I didn't care. I don't even remember using it that much, honestly. Exactly. And now it's, it's, like I said, it's an appendage that we can't do without. And so Christians, let's pause a little bit. How is our phone usage? How often are we on our phones? Can we imagine a life without our phones. Now, this is where some people might say, hey, Nate, wake up. 
It's 2022. There's no going back. And I get I get a part of that, that we're now so embedded with technology that we can't go without it. Sure. True. I get it. But also, maybe we should talk more about it in the church. Not saying that technology is evil, because at its root, it's a neutral thing. You can use it for good or evil. But what happens is when we use it so much, it uses us. It shapes us. It tells us what's normal. There's information overload. We get to the point where we have too much information. We don't know what to do with it. We get panicky, like I said. We get anxious when we get news ahead uh news headlines from all over the world at all times of the day we can hear everyone's thoughts and opinions on twitter we can hear everyone's thoughts and opinions on instagram and facebook to where we think that's normal but it's not and so we need to have more resources we need to practice more personal discipline of just putting our phones away maybe going to bed without our phones, maybe waking up, reading our Bibles before we reach for our phones. And uh, yeah, these are things that we should talk about as the church, as Christians. Anyway, so those are some of my thoughts. Uh, we have to go to break now. What are your thoughts? Call 205-941-1011. What are your thoughts on uh, phones, technology, the church, and Christians? How should that relationship function? What should it be like? Well, friends, we got to go to break, but we have a lot more to talk about on the other side. So do not go anywhere. We will be right back. One Point USA is a security company serving churches and businesses in the state of Alabama. Don't wait until something happens to protect your employees and your valuable property. One Point USA's experienced staff understands your security needs and wants to help you before a problem arises. From video surveillance to card access control and commercial security systems, One Point USA has got you covered. Call One Point USA today at 205-701-0191. That's 205-701-0191 or visit OnePointUSA.com. That's the number OnePointUSA.com. OnePointUSA. Be secure. Greg Davis here, and I want to remind you of Priority Talk's longest-running advertiser, and that's Today's Family Dentistry, your friendly dental practice conveniently located in downtown Coleman. Make your appointment to see Dr. David Kim, Dr. Keetan, or Dr. Stephanie Young, along with an experienced and certified team of dental technicians, along with a friendly staff, I might add, who serve both children and adults with a wide range of dental services. That includes general and restorative care, along with the cosmetic enhancements to meet all of your family's dental needs. Today's Family Dentistry accepts Medicaid for children under 21, Blue Cross Blue Shield All Kids, and most commercial insurances. Give them a call today and make your appointment. 256-739-3337. That's Today's Family Dentistry located in downtown Coleman. Call today and make your appointment. 256-739-3337. Today's Family Dentistry in downtown Coleman. It's time to pick up that phone and call Greg right now at Priority Talk at 205-941-1011. Hey, this is Bart Miller, lead singer of the band Mercy Me. My story's being told in the movie I Can Only Imagine, and you're listening to Priority Talk with Greg Davis. And 
We are back live here at Priority Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nate Williams. I have Stuart in the studio, and Greg Davis is out traveling. So it is us tonight talking about the stuff that you need to know. You know, Priority Talk, right? So we are telling you about the priorities, good news, Christian values. And so as I was looking online at a couple different articles, I came across something that really convicted me. And I say that for a couple reasons. One, sometimes when I preach and I teach, I I worry that I can come across as holier than thou and that I never make mistakes. Friends, I make a lot of mistakes. If you want to know all my mistakes, I'm sure you could ask my wife and she could just tell you the whole book on me. All the things that uh, I need to work on and do better. And so I need to be honest sometimes with my struggles and my flaws. And I, I think this this convicted me. I was reading an article by Christianity Today. And it says, this is the name of the article, Stop Praying for Persecuted Christians Only. And I'll read bits and pieces of the article and we'll talk about it. It rankles me. When Christians pray only for persecuted Christians. I don't disagree with praying for persecuted Christians, to be clear. I pray for them. They need help as a global pandemic of persecution confronts believers daily with violence on account of their faith. However, to truly follow the Bible's teachings, I believe we shouldn't exclusively pray for our fellow Christians. Rather, We are called to pray for all who suffer violent persecution, Christian and non-Christian alike. And then uh, moving on a little bit down in the article, from my 20 years of international work on religious freedom, I know Christians suffer violent persecution from governments like China or terrorists like Boko Haram. I personally met such believers, advocated for them, and prayed for them, yet Let's see. Moving on. Oh, yeah. Uh, Followers of Jesus certainly suffer in China and Burma, but Uyghur and Rohingya Muslims are victims of outright genocide by those nations' regimes. While ISIS indeed targeted Iraqi Christians, thousands of Yazidis were murdered, sold into sex slavery, or disappeared. Scores of Afghan Christians were forced to flee the Taliban's return. Yet the 5 million Hazara Shia that remain face continued terrorist attacks, with a recent suicide blast murdering 50 children at school. Boko Haram has devastated churches in Nigeria's north, while the majority Muslims that resist the jihadists' theocracy risk death or jail for blasphemy. Christians need not feel insecure if our suffering is less than others. However, some advocates draw false equivalencies with religious liberty limitations in North America and Europe to actual persecution abroad. Conflating violence with pandemic restrictions or other domestic debates reduces the veracity of the word persecution and kills its credibility. So I want to talk about that a little bit. I was convicted because I do this. Sometimes I care about Christians and what's happening in the church to the exclusion 
of the general suffering that happens to humanity. And we are tempted here in uh, North America, in, in America, to conflate our suffering, our persecution, whatever it might look like, even if it's not actual persecution, we're just going through a tough time. And we talk about how it's the end of the world and it's the worst thing possible and woe is us. Friends, I'm not going to lie. Going through COVID and some of the government's missteps with policy, like I get it. Some of it was downright awful. Again, I talked about various things with nursing homes and the children and their school shutdowns. And those things were truly terrible. And we should talk about it. We shouldn't allow those things to ever happen again if we can. But there are some people that honestly don't know if they're going to survive the night as missiles and bombs are launched overhead. There are some people that don't know if they can re ever return to their country, if it'll ever be safe for them to go home. There are some people that don't know where their next meal is coming from. I, I think about this. Uh, I've yet to eat dinner, but I know when I when I head out of head out of the studio that I'll be able to find dinner when I when I make it home after a drive. There are some people that really don't know what happened to their family. They get displaced for various reasons. They don't know where their children are, their parents are, their, their siblings, aunts, uncles, whatever it might be. There's a lot of suffering in the world. Yes, Christians suffer. A lot of that persecution is against Christians. But we should also care about Muslims who suffer. We should, you think about the Uyghur Muslims in, in China, how just the awful things they, they, they endure, what they're going through, whole people groups being wiped off the map. And we, so, so let's, let's just have a little bit of perspective. Now, I'm not saying to not be active and to speak against injustice in all forms, but as best we can, we are to be the voice of the voiceless even if the voiceless are not Christian, we are to, to, to help to defend the defenseless, even if the defenseless are of another faith or of no faith. And I think as Christians, we could do a good job in this area, really showing the love of Christ, knowing that God loves all people not just you and me. And so we want to have perspective for, for the suffering. And, and yes, we went through some tough times. But think about uh, the various aspects of the Middle East. I honestly think that we what we go through cannot compare to what many people go through over there, whether it's in Africa or South America with guerrilla warfare, terrorist groups, uh, terrorizing Christians and non-Christians. And so it's something that we should really keep in mind. So again, this was a Christianity Today article, Stop Praying for Persecuted Christians Only. We really should uh, think about it, 
talk about it. Uh, persecution is not a competition. That's noted in this article. And uh, it's something that really convicted me that when we pray, remember, we are to be a praying people. Pray that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You think of the Lord's prayer in Matthew on earth as it is in heaven, that we want to show the love of Christ to all people, regardless of what they believe. And so ultimately, that's the way to share the gospel, right? That it's so much easier to share the gospel when people have a full stomach. It's so much easier to share the gospel when people aren't running for their lives. These are things that we are to think about. So again, as we go deeper into the second hour, we'll have more of this to talk about on the other side of the break. This is Priority Talk Radio, Good News, Christian Values. I'm your host, Nate Williams. We will be right back. The UAB football season is in full swing and tickets are on sale now to see your Blazers in action at Protective Stadium. Visit UABsports.com to grab your tickets and stay updated on all of the latest information about upcoming games, great promotions, and deals for the whole family. Single game tickets start at just $20. Grab your seats today at UABsports.com. Don't miss a minute of the action. UAB Blazer football tickets on sale now at UABsports.com. UAB football, win is one. And now, back to Priority Talk with Greg Davis. My life be like... Welcome back to Priority Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nate Williams. I have Stuart in the studio. Greg Davis is out traveling. And here we are in the second hour. Y'all make sure to call in 205-941-1011. And we've talked about a lot of good stuff tonight, and that will continue. Uh, There is an article that I was concerned about from the Christian Post. And the title of the article is... Survey finds increasing number of Protestants want their church to be politically homogenous. And what that means is we want to worship with people who have share the same politics that we do, have the same political ideologies. And let's see. According to a study released Tuesday by Lifeway Research, An organization that surveys ongoing trends in church ministries, 50% of non-Catholics surveyed in the U.S. prefer to attend a politically homogenous church, while 41% disagreed and 10% were uncertain. The big thing used to be race, right? Where oftentimes it was said, I don't know how true this actually was, but the most segregated time in America was Sunday mornings, where white people worship with white people, black people worship with black people. And it was almost like, yeah, it was segregated and it was terrible. We want, uh, this is my rule of thumb with that is you generally want your church to reflect 
uh, the the diversity that's in the surrounding neighborhoods. And so if you live in a in a diverse neighborhood, well, you would want to then have a diverse church, so on and so forth. If you live in a certain area of the country that really only has one ethnicity, one race, well, most likely then your your local church is going to have that race or ethnicity. So that kind of makes sense. You want your local church to reflect the diversity of the surrounding churches around it. But now I guess it's not even race we're talking about. We're talking about politics. Politics has become so polarized to where we can't even worship with people, worship our great God who loves all of us. We can't even worship with those who disagree with us politically. And that is very, very saddening. Now, this isn't all of us, uh, to be sure. Let's see. LifeWay Research conducted the survey online from, from September 19th to 29th using a national pre-recruited panel of over 1,000 Americans. There's a 95% confidence level in the research. Studies have shown that voting patterns and political affiliation correlate with the type of church and amount of church involvement someone has. Scott McConnell, executive director of LifeWay Research, said in a statement, but when asked if a, if churchgoers want political similarity to flow back into their church relationship, this is desirable for only half of churchgoers. And so he says only half. Well, that's half too many. Friends, your neighbor that is a, that that votes for a different political party can still worship the same God. Where does our unity come from? The New Testament talks about unity all over the place. Jesus talks about it. Paul talks about it. So I'll I'll quote some scripture. Let's see. This is John chapter 17, starting in verse 22. This is Jesus in the high priestly prayer. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one, even as we are one. So this is Jesus talking to his father, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name and will continue to make it known that the love which, with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. We are to be one as Jesus is one with the Father. And this is discouraging news. The way Lifeway put it was uh, the, the, I guess, executive director, if I'm saying his title correctly, he was like, only half of America thinks this way. Well, that's a half too many. Where does our unity stem from, friends? It doesn't necessarily stem from all of our doctrine. You have people that disagree on the rapture. 
You have people who disagree on various aspects of the age of the earth. You have people who disagree on the gifts. You have the cessationists and the continuationists. You have people who disagree on all sorts of stuff. So it can't necessarily be all of our doctrine. It can't be from our race, right? We don't want our unity to stem from that, that white people worship with white people and black people worship with black people and Hispanics worship with Hispanics. No, that's not good. Uh, where does our unity come from? Biblically, it comes from our worship of Jesus Christ. It can't come from our sacramentology. You know, maybe if you're a Baptist, you use the word ordinances, whatever it might be, communion and baptism, because there are all sorts of views on sacramentology, the sacraments. Our unity can only stem from Jesus and the gospel. That Jesus loves us, John 3, 16, he was sent to die for us. Our unity comes from the fact that we do not deserve salvation, but we are so loved by God that Jesus would die for our sins on the cross. Friends, that's got to be our unity because it, it doesn't come from anything else. Paul has this in Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. I'll read some more scripture. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, so note what Paul is doing here. As a basis for the unity, he looks at the example that Jesus set. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, at the name of who? At the name of Jesus. Now I'm preaching a little bit. I hope you don't mind that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of of God the Father. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Our unity does not stem from our politics. Y'all, get out there a little bit. Go make some friends with people who don't think like you. Go make friends with, if you're a Democrat, make some Republican friends. If you're a Republican, 
Make some Democrat friends. Let's not live in these silos we build with ourselves, these Christian bubbles of people who look like us, think like us, act like us, talk like us, because it's so extraordinarily destructive. It doesn't honor Jesus. Jesus is the source of our unity. Like I said, not necessarily every aspect of our doctrine, because we're going to disagree on some of the secondary stuff, not our skin color, not our political party. Our salvation comes from Jesus, and it is Jesus we proclaim. And so that was discouraging to learn about, what was it, 55% of people want to go to a church that is uh, politically like what we believe and how we vote. And so let's buck that trend. Go make some friends with people who don't think like you do. Well, friends, we're going to finish out this second hour strong. We talked about a lot of good stuff tonight, and I'm going to bring a little bit of apologetics in because as an apologist, I love talking about how we can defend and advance the faith. So I'm going to talk about a handy apologetics tool in this next segment as we finish out the second hour. This is Priority Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nate Williams. We will be right back. Priority Talk. Often marketing agencies make high promises with low delivery. Business owners have been burned by these types of companies time and time again. Dot Edison Marketing is built on integrity. They retain customers four times the industry average. Move past multiple vendors. Lost time, lost money. Contact Dot Edison Marketing and find your marketing partner with integrity at its core. Call them at 205 332-3728 or go to their website at .edison.com This is Greg and I want you to know about my friend Jeff Harding and Alabama Reliable Roofing. Your local roofing expert since 1998, Alabama Reliable Roofing provides residential and commercial clients with exceptional roofing services. Jeff and his experienced team are well equipped to provide repairs and installations of shingle and metal roofs. Look, I know the importance of a roof and that it's one of the biggest investments you make in your home, place of business, or church facilities. Alabama Reliable Roofing understands this as well and has the experience to work with your insurance company in case of storm damage. So whether your roof has suffered from storm damage and needs repairs, or it just may be time for a new roof, you need an inspection to determine the next steps. Company owner Jeff Harding is waiting on your phone call and will be personally involved with every job. Call him at 205-369-9630 for a no-obligation conversation and a free estimate. Look at their work on the Alabama Reliable Roofing Facebook page and then call Jeff at 205-369-9630. Alabama Reliable Roofing, 205-369-9630. This is Eddie Stewart with American Ninja Warrior and you're listening to Priority Talk Radio. Welcome back to Priority Talk Radio Live. I'm your host, Nate Williams. Stewart's in the studio holding things down. Greg Davis is out traveling, and uh, there's something about that song. Uh, Greg is right. That just kind of gets, you know, it just gives you some good feelings, I guess. I, I enjoy that song. And so here we are. 
finishing out the second hour, y'all, I need to make sure to remind you that we need to vote tomorrow. Sometimes what happens is we have the best of intentions and then time kind of gets away from us. But just make sure to make time to vote if you can. Let's make our voices heard. So y'all figure out where you need to go, where your voting place is and all that good stuff. And let's go out and vote. So here we are at the end of this second hour. Remember, Priority Talk is on Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. to 7 p.m., Make sure to check out our podcast, Priority Talk. It's on Apple and Spotify. And uh, so you don't need to miss a thing. We're on social media at Priority Talk. And those are things that just keep in mind. You don't have to miss what's going on. We talk about a lot of stuff. And I recognize if you're on the radio now. You might be driving home, you might be going to a sports practice, you might be doing chores, whatever it is, have the radio on. Uh, These are good things to remember. So I'm going to finish out this second hour by talking a little apologetics. Now, I am an apologist. It's what I do. I love defending and advancing the faith, sharing the gospel. I have a, I run a club. I'm the chapter director of a club at Wallace State Community College talking about evangelism and apologetics. And so it's a passion of mine. And I want to give y'all a tool that you can use. Let's add a tool to your toolkit that you can use when talking to people who have a different worldview. And there's a fancy Latin phrase here that uh, I, you know, I, I butcher my Latin pronunciations. But what it means is reduce to absurdity. You take someone's argument, you hold their hands, maybe not literally because people might find that weird. But intellectually, you hold their hand, you walk them to the logical conclusion of their worldview And then you show them, hey, this is absurd. This is not good. And this is what your worldview leads to. And they can say, oh, that makes sense. You have, you know, what, what you're doing is you're reducing their worldview to absurdity by walking them to the logical conclusion of what they believe. Because many people, they have beliefs. They have a way of thinking that sounds good on the surface. But it it doesn't work in real life if you just follow the chain of logic. And so I'll give you an example. There's relativism. Relativism says that there is no truth. So you'll often hear this from postmodernists. They'll say something like, there's no truth, or you have your truth and I have my truth. Well, this is what you do intellectually. When you guide them by the hand, you say this. Okay, you believe there is no truth. Is that true? Now they're stuck because their worldview inherently contradicts itself. Another example of this is Christians are so judgmental. Why are you so judgmental? What's wrong with you? What are they doing to you? They're judging you. Uh, I often I'm guilty of this where I was like, man, I'll say something along the lines of I hate judgmental people. Well, guess what I'm doing? I am judging judgmental people. It's a contradiction. It doesn't work. And so you are reducing someone's position to absurdity by just saying, hey, let's see where this trail leads. And if it doesn't lead anywhere good, maybe we should reevaluate what we're doing. 
relativism is very popular with morality. Well, okay, that, that's your definition of good. Maybe it works for you. I just think differently, and, and my good is different than yours. Well, what you do, now I do not advocate violence. I don't. So I'm going to say this in jest. Do not actually do this. Well, if you punch them in the face, if you stole their car, and you say, well, this is what I think is good. I think punching you in the face or stealing your car is a good thing. They can't say anything because with their moral relativism, what you believe is good is good. And what they believe is good is good. They have no grounds to stand on. Relativism is very self-defeating. It has a contradiction built inside of its own definition. Another example of this, you'll often find this from atheists. They are what's called empiricists or empiricism. They follow empiricism. And this is what they'll say. Well, science is the way to go because all knowledge is gained through observation. So you silly Christians with your silly, you know, Bible that, uh, it just that's revelation from God. That's nonsense because all knowledge is gained through observation. And this is where you pause and you tell them, did you get that bit of knowledge from observation? Were you looking in a lab one day? Or were you adding chemicals together? Or maybe you were out in nature and you lifted up a rock and boom, out came this factoid that said all knowledge is gained through observation. All knowledge is gained through science. Well, of course not. That is just a philosophical statement that you came up with because you believe science is the source of truth. You didn't gain that through scientific observation. That's just something that you think is true. And so, again, it's self-defeating. And so that's a tool that you can add to your toolkit. Sometimes as Christians, when we're talking with someone, we're debating, we're arguing that as long as we do it in love, we listen well, we're patient. I think that's all in good fun. Enjoy a good conversation with someone you disagree with as long as tempers don't flare and things are under control. But sometimes we're so tempted when someone says something to say no, and then we respond with, you know, our own opinion. And then they respond they respond with their opinion. And back and forth it goes, opinion, 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 response, 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 and you don't get anywhere. I think a better way of going about it is to accept them on their terms. You say, okay, you believe that uh, there is no truth. That's fine. And then you lead them to their own absurd conclusion. You lead them to the, the, the logical end of their own thinking. You reduce it to absurdity. And then you show that it doesn't work. Uh, for example, uh, I do this with abortion. I talked about this recently last week, where you take a reason for abortion, such as, uh, let's see, what's, what, what's an example? Oh, uh, you're only human if you're viable uh, outside of the womb, so therefore abortion of unborn babies is okay. You take that reason and you say, okay, do you know that you can use that reason on the elderly? 
or those, uh, let's say, those who rely on breathing machines or those who rely on any sort of medical device to live, they're technically not viable on their own. Are you saying we can go kill them? For example, with homosexuality, let's do it again. That, oh man, if it feels right, if it feels good, if it's natural, therefore it's moral that if I was born this way, it should be legalized. Uh-oh. Well, what about potentially pedophilia? What if it's natural for someone to feel attraction towards kids? If it's natural, it's moral, it's good, it should be legalized. That means any perverse feeling, let's say there's something wrong with me, wrong with my wiring or, or whatever might be the cause of it. Well, if it's more, it's natural, it's moral, it's good, it should be allowed, that kind of thinking... It just, it, again, you can reduce it to absurdity. And obviously, pedophilia shouldn't be legalized, even if it's natural. I genuinely believe there are some people who have maybe wires were crossed, whatever it is. They have a natural attraction towards children for whatever reason. Well, we should not encourage the behavior. Those people need to go see a therapist. You know, obviously, if they've committed a crime, the justice system should come into play. Whatever it is, you don't legalize it, even if it's moral. Excuse me, even if it's natural. Again, take someone's way of thinking and lead them by the hand intellectually to its logical conclusion. You can do it with transgender ideology. I can be anything I want to be. I can be a man, woman, uh, attack helicopter. I can be a cat, a wolf, and then talk about, you know, for some reason with the woke, transracialism isn't allowed. Be like, well, if I'm a white person, can I identify as a black person? Oftentimes for the woke, that's taboo for various reasons. Uh, be like, well, what if it's genuine? Oftentimes they won't like that. Be like, well, I identify as someone who can take all your money. So now, because I identify as that person, give me all your money. Well, that's not true. Well, I, I am genuine. I am authentic. How dare you be bigoted and backwards and tell me that my identity is wrong or false? And so with transgender ideology, they seek to create a world however they feel authentic, genuine, and therefore everyone else must obey the reality they've constructed. Well, again, reduce it to absurdity and so that's a little apologetics uh, tool that you can add to your toolkit something you can do as you evangelize or you maybe talk with people of differing uh, worldviews. well friends that's all for tonight we are at the end of this second hour y'all make sure to come back we are on Mondays through Fridays 5pm to 7pm this is Priority Talk Radio good news, Christian values y'all have a good night <laughs>